Hey guys, Jason here, and I know this is usually where we have some funny little intro at the beginning of the show, but for those who are unaware, today the wrestling business lost another legend, as Tom Billington, better known as the Dynamite Kid, passed away at the age of 60 after a battle of very poor health, uh, finally succumbing today. Uh, Tom Billington, or the Dynamite Kid, rose to prominence in Stu Hart's Calgary Stampede Wrestling, uh, where he was really sort of the godfather of the cruiserweight wrestling style you see today. Very technical, very high-flying, and very innovative for his time. 1984, he moved on to the WWE, where he teamed with Davey Boy Smith as the British Bulldogs, captured the Tag Team Championship, and made an indelible mark in wrestling history. We at The Rundown would like to honor the Dynamite Kid with a 10-bell salute. match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Jeff is... Who the hell is Jeff? I'm, I'm so glad I get to talk about Cox. I'm really happy. Dicks. Yay. Well, look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome to the main event of your wrestling weekend. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And a reminder, we are an intentionally offensive wrestling podcast. So any lack of being offended is strictly unintentional. As you can tell, Troy is not with us tonight. He's suffering a little bit of a sore throat. And I got to say, I'm a little bit sorry there, Troy. You got to open up those throat muscles a little bit next time. But I am not alone. I am joined by the man with the giant wiener. Jeff is in the house. Jeff, what's going on? How's it going? Fuck CM Punk and fuck the revival. Wait, are you stealing my gimmick now? I stole both of them. Jesus Christ. Okay, anyway, we have a bunch of stuff to cover. We got a lot of indie dates, apparently, thanks to Troy, but we also have <laughs> we also have our crowned segment, our routine segment, our every week segment where we digest and take a big healthy shit with everything that went down in the world of wrestling this week. We call it... The Perfect Ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. And leading off the Perfect Ten this week. <sighs> so we digested and broke down and did sort of frame by frame on how horrible last week's Raw was. And a big part of why last week's Raw was so horrible was the segment with Dean Ambrose, uh, where he got inoculated and immunized against the WWE Universe. So, I was very curious to see how they would follow up with Dean this week, because that segment got so sort of across-the-board panned by the critics and the fans alike. So I figured this week they're going to come back with something something much better and stronger and sort of get this, this thing back on the rails, right? And uh, instead, we got Dean Ambrose coming out to the ring in a gas mask, surrounded by security. Yeah. In gas masks. Wearing, they really doubled down on that, didn't they? Yeah, wearing a fur coat. <laughs> what the fuck was that look? <laughs> you know what he reminded me of? He he totally, like, with the gas mask on and that coat, he reminded me of Bane from Batman, the, the last Batman movie there. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a good comparison. Um, and then, of course, he starts cutting his promo with the gas mask on, which was just fucking. Uh, that was I, bad. I, I can't. You couldn't even more. hear it. Yeah, I, I can't with this feud anymore. This was. This should have been the hottest fucking thing in wrestling. It should have been, and instead, it's fucking wacky Uncle Dean again. I know. I can't stand it. The one fucking thing I did not want to see that I thought was going to die when Ambrose turned fucking heel was Crazy Uncle Dean, and he's back, and he's in full fucking force, and I'm expecting next week a giant cowboy hat. Yeah, it's fucking bad, man. It's, I mean, we talked about it last week and the fact that how many feuds had so much promise that just WWE has just squandered it and, and really turned it into something silly or stupid and it's just more of the same bullshit i mean this was this was fucking not good i mean if you just had if you removed all that stupid silly shit in the beginning and you kind of just had him cut a promo in the ring and kept that same kind of ending i guess it would have been okay would have been fine um but ah man it's fucking bad a better a better rivalry right now in the wwe is heath slater and rhino <laughs> yeah yeah that was definitely um definitely had more emotion i guess behind it on raw for sure um yeah i i, I feel bad for for seth here because i feel like he's he was riding one of the hottest waves of his career he was in the ring five-star matches almost every time out um even the story was storyline with ziggler while not great was producing some great matches uh, and you thought maybe he was going to spin off onto something with with uh, McIntyre, uh, and then you got the sort of the out of nowhere surprise Dean Ambrose heel turn, and they had the balls to do this heel turn on the night Roman Reigns makes his announcement, and you you just had the feeling this was it, this was the thing. Vince hasn't lost the step we all thought he has. Like this is, and then we get this, and part of me sort of wonders. If what's going on here is sort of a, a backlash to the fans' reactions when they tried sort of to generically turn Becky Lynch heel, and the so, so now they're going so over the top with him shitting on the fans as a way of hoping that the fans don't side with them and another heel turn doesn't get lost by the wayside. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is this few, that was the best this feud had had been and since then it's it's been free-falling it's been free-falling terribly um uh, it's so frustrating just to have such like you couldn't have a better start to a promo you you took a, a terrible situation you made the most of it and since then you've you've ruined it you've ruined it and it's i i now i have a fucking bane talking in my head that's all I can picture Dean Ambrose talking like. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Feel the anger. <laughs> See, now all I can think is that like college humor segment where Batman's with. It's well, never mind. Uh, if you don't know what I I'm talking, first. About. Yes, exactly that one. <laughs> That's all I can think of right now. You got me going on that. Uh, so. <laughs> It, the, the really frustrating thing, and we'll talk about it in a second, is you look at SmackDown and the way they took another beloved fan favorite and turned him heel in a similar way, but it's not nearly as corny and hokey or bad. And we'll get into some of that in a little bit. But, yeah, this Dean thing is really a mess right now. And I guess and I hope that when we go into TLC now, maybe I'm misremembering this and it's entirely possible, but when they announced this match, didn't they announce it originally? Was it at the end of Survivor Series? Didn't they announce it as a TLC match? You know, I, I don't I don't know one way or the other. Okay, I, I thought I remember saying that, but the graphic this week said otherwise, so I don't know. Was uh, it just a regular match? Yeah, it looks like it's just a regular match for the IC title. Oh, which, good. Which sort of makes a little sense when you factor in. you got the women's TLC, and then you got the, the TLC with... Um, why am I blanking here? The other TLC mm-hmm. match. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I haven't looked at the card, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I I just fi- I figure at some point he'll get fucking Drake Maverick at his side and he'll piss on the Intercontinental belt. There you go. Strowman and Corbin, that's what I was thinking of. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Maverick will piss. 
That is a good point. We should we, that would be something at least more interesting than what we're getting right now. But in any event, enough about Dean Ambrose. Let's go on to something else that was very very strange for Monday Night Raw because out of nowhere, Dolph Ziggler picked up his uh, did his best Big Show impersonation and turned face out of nowhere. Uh, we did a segment with with. Drew McIntyre in the ring with Baron Corbin. They were doing Drew McIntyre Appreciation Day. Uh, this whole segment, which was um, another fucking incredible waste of time, where we choose to focus all of our camera time on Baron Corbin and his complete lack of fucking charisma. Uh, and that was interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, who was, of course, upset that Drew McIntyre basically broke up with him to go fuck Baron Corbin. Um, so... Jeff, before we get into the, what happened as a result of this segment, what did you think about the segment itself? Um, basically, uh, the segment. What, what did he give him? A, a, a gold medal? Yes, or something. Sort of mocking Kurt Angle at the same time, like a the gold medal of achievement for Raw or something like that. Um, I mean, it's it was fucking stupid. <laughs> It was a stupid segment. Um, I mean, you get uh, Drew McIntyre, who's pretty decent on the mic, um, and he, but he, he, he honestly he was cutting he cuts the same kind of promo. He said the same thing he said about Finn Balor the last time, where he says it's a little boy in a man's world. I think he said that about three times now. Um, but he was the only, I don't know, he was the only like redeeming quality of this segment. Um, he's usually quite, very solid on the mic, and I, I think he deserves to be in a, a better position than where he's at. But at least at this point, it can set up, you know, something for him um, going forward. Because he's, he's in a position where he's on the show every week, he's wrestling every week, you're seeing him every week. Um, but then to have, you know, Dolph Ziggler come out, like, who they haven't really interacted for weeks now right pretty much yeah and then he just comes out and turns i mean it was just so poorly done i mean i i don't i don't not like dolph ziggler i know i know troy doesn't care for him i i don't i think he's a good worker um i think it's better to keep him face from now on because the crowd seemed to react to him Mm -hmm. at least i don't know if this is just a particularly hot crowd but they did react to him being a babyface, and yeah. he works better, I think, as a babyface in the ring. He probably cuts a better heel promo, but I think he works better as a face. W- what did you think about it? Well, so we get to the match portion of this, and, and this is sort of where you lose me a little bit, because everything you've been doing to this point is building up McIntyre to be that next big guy. You know, When we hear the story, Vince loves him, wants him in the main event, they broke off the team in with Ziggler so that he could sort of start that transition into the top of the card. And so the first time you break these guys up, the first thing you do is have Ziggler beat McIntyre. Clean, middle of the ring. Nah, clean, I guess, is a bit of a misnomer because there was some outside involvement. But for the most part, it was one, two, three in the center of the ring. Um, yeah. I don't understand that. Uh, there's there's zero reason. Now, I've read I read an article this afternoon that basically said that Vince McMahon showed up at 3.30 Monday Monday afternoon and took the script they had for Raw and said, fuck this, we're rewriting the whole thing. Um, and as part of, felt that the fans would be sad from the passing of former President George W. Bush. And instead, he uh, decided they wanted to cheer them up by having all the faces win. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if that's why he went with uh, Dolph Ziggler to get the win here. I don't think any of the fans would have given a shit one way or another, but uh, it's certainly an interesting um, interesting call to have Ziggler pin McIntyre that that early in this, this turn here. Yeah, yeah, it, it was odd. It was a very odd decision. Um, and, I mean, it's not like, yeah, he, there were shenanigans involved, but he hit him with a super kick. Like, that's what pinned him. Right. I mean... Yeah, he got hit with, what was it, a drop kick on the outside? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and he got sent out the gargoyle. But he came in, like, he was on his feet, and then he just got hit with a super kick and got pinned. Like, right, and that was the other thing. Like, you had him at a nine count outside. All you had to do is have him get counted out, and then you can have at least <laughs> Ziggler gets the win, and you don't have to pin him. 
Yeah, or you could have him lose. I hate to say this, but you could have him like get distracted by Finn and have him get rolled up. Oh At least God. there's some sort of. No I know. More. I no know. No more distraction finishes. No more. Yeah, but I'd rather that than have him get pinned clean from a super kick. Because that's just like that's. I, I don't even know what Ziggler's finisher is anymore. Is it the super kick or the zigzag? Because zigzag. it's been flip flopping. Well, it's zigzag. I think is technically the finisher, but he does use the super kick quite a bit. Yeah, and he he, get, he wins with that. Like for a while, it was exclusively the super kick. Like the zigzag became his famouser. Well, like, but what's what's AJ Styles finisher really? When you get down to it, is it the phenomenal forearm? Is it the calf crusher? Or is it the Styles clash? Because yeah, 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 I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. All right, I think we've devoted far more time to Dolph Ziggler than he actually warrants. But moving on, Jeff, I know how much you love to talk about dicks on this show, but we're going to talk about a segment that involves no dicks because this past week. These, if you thought the first segment with Bailey and Sasha wasn't cringeworthy enough, they decided to give us another <laughs> Bailey and Sasha answer the fans' question, and it was equally as bad. The one thing to really do you think those guys were plants in the crowd? You think? I was being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that they were. Um, the, that guy, that first guy, didn't look like a wrestler at all. I mean, no, no not even no. a little bit. No, just a normal fan. Yeah, normal fans look like that typically. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the only real notable thing to come out of this, besides the fact that they completely shit all over Dana Brooke in a very public forum, uh, was that. <laughs> We had the sort of first time we've heard on TV the characters or any on-air persona floating the notion of women's tag team titles. Now, this has been something that's been talked about a little bit on social media. The women have sort of danced around the idea that they would love to have it, certain certain members of the women's roster. But this was the first time it's been put on TV. And the fact that it's put on TV leads me to believe that we are not far off from this being a reality and being announced. Um how would you feel about women's tag team titles and do you think this idea could work yeah i'm cool i'm totally cool with women's tag teams the problem is uh tag teams as it is don't matter so like i i can only imagine what women tag teams are gonna go do you think we're gonna do a segment with like sasha pissing on alexa's wardrobe case and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably be a distraction that will finish the tag team tag team women's tag team title tournament finals, or that's how. Oh it. yeah, no, for sure. And and then you're gonna have somebody who could possibly challenge for the titles, and um, have them lose to uh, I don't know. Just pick pick any. Well, well, let's rest. remember. Given given the import they placed on the SmackDown tag team titles originally by putting them in a complete comedy act, I'm gonna guess this is going on Dana Brooke and Alicia Fox, the first first championship. I'd be cool with that. At least it's something different. Yeah. But yeah, so no, I wouldn't be cool with that. <laughs> Fuck Alicia Fox. So it was uh, Bailey and Sasha bringing this up, and as they continued to have their verbal altercations with Alexa Bliss, it led to a tag match. Some shit happened. Nobody really gave a fuck. But in any event, um, when it comes to women's tag team titles, I'd be interested to see how this works because is this a cross-brand title? Because I don't think you can have a women's tag title on Raw and not one on SmackDown. So I would think it would have to be defended on both shows. Um, and at that point, now you start to wonder if maybe we start unifying the other titles and they're defended across shows. But with the network split, I can't see that happening either. So I'm sort of curious yeah. as to how this happens. Does this end up being, do we end up with SmackDown women's tag team titles and Raw women's tag team titles? Because then you're getting into way too many belts first off. Um, and I'm not sure the rosters have enough. I mean, off the top of your head, you got what, Bailey and Sasha... The Samoan Twa team, uh, the Riot Squad. I mean, who else do you have that's that's really tag teams? Mickey and Alexa. I just in maybe? general. For or women. Raw. For women on Raw. Uh, yeah, you can get have you could have. Uh, God, yeah, I don't even know. Like, do you have enough women to have legitimate amount of tag teams? I don't think so. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out now. I'm I'm up to what four? I mean, maybe you could. I we're joking around, but maybe you could do Alicia and, and Dana. There's five, and maybe they get the Bella Twins to come back. There's six. Of course, you've got. Yeah, the, but then, go what singles wrestlers do you have left? Well, when they're not competing in the tag team division, they'll compete in singles, I would imagine. Um, and of course, you've always got the specter of um, another sort of breadcrumb that was dropped the Lita and Trish tag team so um mm. I maybe maybe there's enough to pull this off I don't I certainly don't see there being enough depth on Smackdown to pull it off when you figure 
You look at you that got Mandy awesome. Rose and Sony Deville. Yeah. But who like who else could you really have? Like uh, Charlotte and Becky. The I Iconics. Guess. You got the Iconics. Okay, yeah, you got the Iconics. That's right. Um, let's see what else do you got? Naomi and Asuka. Oh yeah, yeah. You get our truth and fucking Carmella. Yeah, yeah, our truth will definitely go. try to find his way into there. Uh, but in any event, I, I think the title can work. I think it's going to require some very... It's going to have to feel important. It's going to have to feel special. It's going to have to be a focal point. It's going to have to be something that you actually put some time and effort into. And that's where I'm a little doubtful this will work. Can it work? Yes. Will it work? I don't think so. Yeah, let's be honest. They're going to fuck it up like everything else. I'm just in such a bad mood from fucking, <laughs> fucking 205 Live yesterday like <laughs> all the shitty it. stuff on tell on wrestling this week <laughs> it's 205 live that pushed you over the edge huh, Jeff? it did it did it did you didn't see the fucking promos that i saw they were <laughs> fucking so bad <laughs> yes i saw promos on raw um <laughs> they were where they were worse i'm uh, telling you they Jesus. were worse um, no gas masks though well, that's probably good, I guess. Uh, that brings us to uh, the next week's hours. We're talking about women. It was an interesting week as the women let off both Raw and SmackDown this week. Uh, with On Raw, it was the tag team match that was scheduled to take place with Ronda Rousey and Natalia. Instead, Natalia and her pussy got put through a table. And uh, <laughs> Ronda got beat down by the Samoan Twa team. It ended up leading to an ang- a segment and an angle later. But uh, on SmackDown... We had the opening segment featured the contract signing between Asuka, uh, Ron, I'm sorry, not Ronda, <laughs> Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte <laughs> as they gear up for their TLC match at TLC. No stairs. Um, Jeff, <laughs> which which one of these opening segments did you enjoy more, the in-ring match or the contract signing? Uh, um... Uh, um, well, I guess what the the contract signing led to the tag match um, on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't fucking know. I did like seeing Natalia get put through a table. <laughs> um, however, I'll probably go with uh, the SmackDown segment. Honestly, yeah. um, I think Becky Lynch it needs to. She, uh, she's great. I still love her, but. She's teetering the line of becoming Conor McGregor a little bit. I think that's what um, she's going for, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's really coming through, I think, more lately. Um, I don't think that's a problem, but I think when she was more vicious or and evil and doing whatever it took, I, I liked that a little better than just being like, I'm the best and... Uh, every time I step in the ring, I make history, and I don't know. Maybe that's just my personal opinion, but yeah, um, I felt like this segment was definitely like the very clear. Oh no, fuck you, Charlotte's a heel, and we're gonna make sure you know it. Yeah, that was definitely true. That was definitely true. And then you had Oscar yelling shit. I don't fucking know. She was. <laughs> she you, could you tell she fucking which one of these didn't belong. <laughs> To the it credit was, of the Houston fans, I didn't hear too many what chants, so that was nice. Yeah. Except for when Daniel Bryan was in there, but... By the way, are Mandy Rose and, and Sonya Deville, like, as a tag team, officially known as Fire and Desire? Because they said that about a million fucking times during this match. <laughs> yeah, probably. Which, it's fucking what? trying to get that shit over. How, so, is Sonya the fire? And if so, how does that work with Becky being straight fire? I mean, I guess... We know Sonya's not straight fire. She's more lesbian fire, I guess. Yeah. So, anyway. I, uh, I, I do have to say about, about the match, though. I, I, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have still, like, they're still improving. I think they're doing really well for themselves right now, especially in the ring. Yep. And they look really Mandy's good. mic work is really starting to stand out, too. Yeah. Yeah. Sonya's isn't as much, but her in ring work is, is really. She's really upping her game. Right. No, absolutely. There's definitely a future there for those two. And it, you sort of the, the talk and the rumor at the time they got called up was that they were sort of kept largely off of NXT except for a few random appearances because they wanted to 
sort of groom them in front of the WWE audience. I think you're starting to see some of the uh, the benefits of that strategy paying off a little bit now. I guess the the, the main question to come out of the fact that they they put so much focus on the women. Are the women on both shows the biggest stars they have now? And I and initially you scoff at that, but when you look at Raw, you got no Roman Reigns, you got no Kevin Owens. I mean, you got very your star power on that roster is already depleted. And then you look at Ronda Rousey, and Ronda Rousey to me comes across as the biggest star on that roster. Yeah, I think at this point, um, and I mean, I'm, who could I mean, you argue you against it? Don't get me started on SmackDown. It's not. It's hands down. They're the biggest stars on SmackDown. The WWE title is definitely taking a backseat to the women's title on SmackDown by far. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, who could you argue against? I mean, Ronda right now on Raw. Like McIntyre? I don't think so. Not right now. I mean, Braun maybe. Yeah, but he's. I yeah. I, uh, I no. I don't think so. I think Ronda's Ronda's bigger. Lesnar. <laughs> I mean, he's never there, but the fact is, he is still a huge star. Yeah, but I, I don't think you can consider him on Raw, really. <laughs> so, so it is an interesting. What started as sort of a some lip service to the women's evolution has actually sort of spawned itself into something special here, and I think we are seeing a real titanic shift as the women not only are giving being given equal time. We went from them getting five minute matches. Now, not only are they getting equal time headlining pay-per-views, headlining shows, but they are the reason to watch the shows now, and, and that's just great for them and, and a true testament to the work they've put in. Oh, absolutely. So we talked about a lot of shitty wrestling stuff <laughs> so far in this episode. Let's yeah. t- let's have a little palate cleanser. Let's talk about something good for once. Let's talk about this week's episode of NXT which ended with a fantastic in-ring segment between Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. Now, Jeff, have you caught this episode yet? Uh, I didn't watch the episode, but I made sure to watch the promo. Okay. So it starts with Ciampa coming out, and Ciampa goes through basically how nobody, how, he, how he's constantly disrespected by the WWE Universe, even called up Mauro Ranallo, which I thought was a really nice touch, uh, mocking him with a Mamma Mia comment <laughs> at one point. Uh, <laughs> this brought out Aleister Black, who said he's due his rematch, and he wants it, he's done with Johnny, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Johnny comes out, Johnny says, we're not done till I say we're done, I need more. And then Tommaso does such a great job as a chicken shit heel, steps to the outside, lets those two guys get in each other's faces, and he just sort of instigates and gets them going against each other and sort of talks them into a steel cage match going forward. Alistair goes for the black mass, black mass, not black mask, on uh, Gargano. (laughs) Gargano dips out very well, good timing. Uh... Gargano's sort of laughing about it and catches a black mask to his face as Aleister Black and Johnny Gargano to continue to jaw at each other. See, shit like this, I look at shit like this and then I look at what I got from like Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre on Raw, and, and it's just night and day, and I often find myself wondering how is the developmental territory so much better than the main roster in terms of delivery, believability, and realism? Yeah, um, specifically with this segment, uh, maybe it's just because Alistair Black doesn't talk that much, but he was really good on the mic. Um, Definitely the best I think I've heard him, yeah. You're talking about absolving Gargano of his sins Mm -hmm. and how he's going to do that to Ciampa as well. That was great, great stuff. And then Johnny Gargano coming out and, and, you know, just getting in Black's face and, it was everything was great, and then Champa, you know, getting on the apron, egging egging them on to do some sort of steel cage match. Um, it was all great stuff, and then to have the the baby face, I guess the clear baby face standing at the end, I thought was a nice touch. It had black masked the both of them uh, was fantastic. The interesting thing, and the thing I sort of like about this storyline in NXT is I don't know who's the clear baby face when you get right down to it. I mean. Alistair Black, I guess, by definition, would be the babyface in the situation, but he's, you know, kicking Tommaso Ciampa in the face for no real reason. Ciampa wasn't doing anything to him. He sort of came out and went after Johnny Gargano's wife a couple times. Like, this guy hasn't been, like, a straight-year-straight white-meat babyface. 
Gargano is still playing to the fans, like the fans, like he still likes the fans. He hasn't turned on them. He's not wearing gas masks to the ring or anything, at least. Um, <laughs> he's so, steroids in his ass. Yeah. So this is the interesting thing to me is that the, there's a lot of shades of gray to this promo. And I think that to this promo, to this angle, and largely to NXT, NXT doesn't get bogged down in the notion of heel versus face. It's presented far more as real competition from guys who want to win and be the best above each other. And I feel like that's sort of what sets that brand apart from, from the rest of the main roster. Yeah, I just think I meant in terms of um, who would be considered more of the baby face in the situation, just based on previous actions. Yeah, yeah uh, Black has done some not-so-baby-face things, but you know, Ciampa in the past has been quite an asshole and probably deserved to get kicked in the face. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the stuff that Gargano did... Um, I would say was is more egregious uh, and puts him in more of a heel position. Not not that I'm saying there's tons, like you said, there is tons of gray in in this, and I think that's what makes it more interesting. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Now, I don't know if you happen to have read ahead with the spoilers for the NXT tapings, but I unfortunately got spoiled, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the payoff to this and how it shows up on TV. Anyway. Uh, WWE, and I, well, I didn't announce it, but the rumors have started circulating that in the wake of the success of the Evolution pay-per-view, they're looking at the possibility, faster than intended, of another women all-women's pay-per-view, and one of the ideas they're kicking around is the notion of a queen of the ring tournament. i got to ask you, Jeff, how would you feel about the WWE running a queen of the ring tournament at this point? Um, well... Based on how evolution went, um, you know, you got uh, it turned out really good, uh, but they'll probably fucking do a terrible job promoting it <laughs> again. Um, well, I, see, I no, no, now that now they've now they've gotten a successful one under their belt, so I think they will start promoting it because they've seen that there is some some actual interest in it, and it's not just lip service heading into the next Saudi Arabia show. Um, my concern with something like this, and and I'll, I'm curious to see to hear your reaction too. A Queen of the Ring tournament, sort of this close to the May Young Classic tournament that we just finished up, seems like it, it's sort of juxtaposed incorrectly. I don't think these there should be two women's tournaments that close to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It kind of oversaturates saturates the uh, the idea of of women. Women tournaments, I guess. You, you have the May Young Classic, which is, you know, it's it's a, a it's just every year they hold it. It's it turns out to be a very good tournament. But then you're gonna have the Queen in the Ring tournament, which what does that make the May Young Classic? You know what I mean? Right. My, it's also, the minor like, league women's tournament at that point. Exactly. Exactly. It, it demeans the the May Young Classic a little right. bit. Um, I I don't know. I I would I I would think it would be a cool idea if you had just the queen in the ring tournament then or just the may young classic um if you have the queen in the ring tournament you could you just combine everyone the problem is i think you're going to have a lot of throwaway matches because you're probably going to have stuff like alicia fox in there and dana brooke which you know they're not going to win um and if they do which well you never know surprise me either it wouldn't shock me if Dana Brooke were to win. Like she shows up one day and Vince, my God, look at those titties! They're fantastic. <laughs> There's our next star. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Fucking. It would be. Uh, it, well, we all know who would win it because we all know who won the uh, crown jewel to determine the best in the world. <sighs> Not crown jewel. Yeah. Was it Crown Jewel? Yeah, it was, right? The World Cup to determine the best in the world. Ah, uh, on Crown Jewel, yes, right. Yes. So uh, we know Stephanie McMahon will be the queen of the ring. Well, I – so I will say this. The thing that's interesting to me is the the possibility and the notion – and I guess when we talked to comparing it to the Mae Young Classic, the one distinction you could make is this would be sort of a one-night tournament as opposed to a multi-week sort of format – um, so it would be conceptually different in that way, I guess. And that's 
something I guess you could use to distinguish the two, and that would be fine. But when you get down to it, you could get some of these matches that would be really cool to see. The obviously you got the possibility of like Ronda and Charlotte and Becky crossing paths again. Um, you would have possibilities of interbrand. I mean, I know that Survivor Series is the only time these brands face off in head-to-head competition, but it is possible that that could happen in a Queen of the Ring format. Um, so I, I, I'd be interested to see it. I'm all for as much pay-per-view time as we can get for the women these days, because like I said, for my money, it's the best part of the product right now, and let's get as much of it as we can, even if it's an idea that's necess- not necessarily top-notch. I'd, re- I'd give anything just to see another all-women's pay-per-view after Evolution, which I love so much. Yeah, I... The other thing I guess to consider is is if it's just going to be a, a pay per view with just the tournament, or if there's going to be other matches in it too. Right. Because if there's other matches in it too, like title matches and stuff, you're you're going to have some. You, it's going to turn out to be like how the the World Cup was. You're going to have like two minute sprints and fucking and Nia Jax uh, wins. Yeah, you're going to have people in it. Nobody's going to care about who wins. You get fucking Dolph Ziggler in the final of the World Cup. What are you going to get? in the final of that Tamina (laughs) Tamina and Alicia Fox there you go weren't they a tag team at one point or something who were they I don't know something that sounds real bad no you know what I'm thinking of uh, what was it Naomi was it Naomi with Tamina or something and Sasha yeah, that still sounds bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, anyway, it was around the time we had the submission sorority floating around. I think they were all... <laughs> and there were like three different groups. Anyway, <laughs> as we move off the women, we talked earlier about Dean Ambrose and his sort of failed and botched heel turn and, and follow-up to it. On SmackDown, we got similar, something similar with Daniel Bryan, but this week we finally got sort of the real... You know, explanation moment as he sat down on Miz TV and cut a promo. And the promo was bizarre, but it was bizarre not in a Dean Ambrose way, but bizarre in a tremendous way. And we talked last week about sort of the weirdness of things like, you know, my dreams kicked AJ Styles in the balls and whatever. Um, but this week I thought when he sat down with Miz and he had that give and take and he's had a week to sort of work this character out and sort of fine tune it a little bit. I thought he was great, and he came out and he cut. He sort of turned himself into the environmental warrior, uh, who's uh, disgusted with the fans for the way they disrespect the planet, which is a little weird to just all of a sudden discover that when you kick a dude in the balls. But okay, that's fine. I can live with that. But his <laughs> delivery was tremendous, and he did it in a way that got heat. It got legit heat. He has done a very admirable job of taking the fans and turning them against him. Yeah, fickle, fickle. Um, that was, uh, that was a good, it was a really good segment. And I mean, of course him and him and Miz worked off each other really, really well again. Yeah. Um, I still thought it was hilarious how the Miz was still kind of, uh, playing up a little bit of their, I guess with their feud together and being like, so I, I, you finally see that you have to do what it takes to win. You don't have to play by the rules. You do whatever it takes. So that means I was right from the beginning, right? you know? And, and that's that's the kind of shit that the Miz does wonderfully. Um, and Daniel Bryan was was just great. He he cut the audience off when they're chanting "what," calling them sheep, and like it, it was everything you could have you could have had. I I, I uh, it's fine that AJ Styles came in. I almost would have liked it better if he didn't. Yeah, well, I will say this, and, and as great as the Miz TV segment was, and I don't know if you caught this, but. The match at while the match was going on between AJ Styles and the Miz, Daniel Bryan on commentary might have been even better. I mean, he was outstanding as a guest commentator, sort of going at Saxton, just screaming at him for all the chicken heats. <laughs> just, oh yeah. What would you say yeah, was, to Birdie if she saw this? I'd tell her I hope she kicks every man in the groin. Like just outstanding <laughs> stuff on, yeah, on it was commentary. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, he's really embraced this character, and he's done a really amazing job. Um, I do find it interesting that the biggest faces on the show, or the biggest heels on the show, I should say, are being presented as guys who care about the environment. <laughs> like, I know. Now what? <laughs> 
huh? Although I can see, I can totally see, like, Vince McMahon doesn't get Daniel Bryan as the scrappy underdog and doesn't see it in him. But then it's like, God damn, he's a tree-hugging bastard. He's an asshole. Everyone will hate him. Let's do it. Like... <laughs> Like, oh my god, that's totally a heel character I think I think Vince can totally get behind. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Everybody eats meat, pal. Whoever doesn't it should fucking shit at everybody should hate him. Exactly. I work out twenty five hours a day, pal. How am I not gonna eat protein? <laughs> oh Vince. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, Daniel Bryan doing a fantastic job with this, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. And of course, the, what should be a tremendous match between him and AJ Styles at TLC. Speaking of things that may not end up being a tremendous match, the XFL for this week, or today I should say as we record this, announced the locations, the cities that will receive XFL teams with the revitalized version of the product. Those cities Arlington, Texas, Houston, Texas, as Texas gets two, Carson, California, East Rutherford, New Jersey, St. Louis, Missouri, Seattle, Washington, Tampa, Florida, and Washington, D.C. Jeff, I noticed there's no Pennsylvania on there, also no Massachusetts for me. i got to wonder which team in the XFL will you find yourself rooting for this season, or in 2020 I, when they actually launch. I guess... New York, which would be East Rutherford, New Jersey, I guess, because I can maybe go watch a game that I definitely won't do. <laughs> uh, well, given that I can never find myself rooting for any team in New York, I'm going to run my finger up and down here with my eyes closed, and I'm going to be rooting for... Looks like St. Louis, Missouri is my team, so there we go. Oh, all right. Well, well, well all right, so let's do this. Pick a team name for St. Louis. What do you got? The Cardinals. That's original. I like it. Oh, is that That's good stuff? Oh shit! Is that already taken? Fuck. Um, how about the St. Louis? He hate me's. <laughs> we do that, or is that two on the nose? No, I like it. Um, and Jeff will name his team the New York XFL team. Oh, I was gonna say the Rock Hard Asses. Asses? I thought you'd go Cox. No, it's, it's steroids. Oh, St. Yeah. Louis, the St. Louis Rock'em Cock'em Robots. There you go. Now we're talking. There you go. That's good stuff. That works you better fucking me. coin that shit. I know, right? That sounds like a plan wow. to me. All right. <laughs> no, but in seriousness, I guess the question being, it looks like this is full board. They're all in on this. In fact, Vince McMahon stole, sold... I think I read $23 million in stock this week in WWE stock to sort of finance some of this. They're going all in on this, and this is very risky. Obviously, this has failed once before. So the question is, do we think this can work the second time around? Have they no. learned enough from their mistakes? No. Okay. No, there's no way. I mean, just look at all of the other NFL alternatives. I mean, how did... I think it was already announced that he's going to have significantly like cheaper ticket prices. Um, they're forbidding any player with a criminal record to participate. Um, they're, they're, I mean, they're going for very uh, well. They're they're going for that that fact that that group of fans that have been disenfranchised by the NFL product and like the the constant issues with the with the law between some of the players and. The not standing for the national anthem. They're, they're taking everything that's sort of turning people off of the NFL and making a point that they're not going to do it that way. Right. Um, well, I mean, they. Um, I mean, what are the what are the companies right now that are against the NFL? The, what the CFL and the Arena Football League? The yeah, AFL. The, there's another. Was it? The, uh, I forget what they call it. There's a, there's another league that's going to be starting up to about a year earlier than the XFL. It's another similar. Um, we're taking former star college players and building a professional football league. I think it's the one that's on NBC or something. Um, so I'm cur- I'll be curious to see how that affects it, especially where they've got a year lead time. But I will say this. When people say, can, can they learn from their mistakes? Yes. The problem is, will they actually be able to adjust to it? We know Vince can see his mistakes. He's sometimes a little slow to realize them, but he's had quite a bit of time to reflect on his mistakes with the XFL. But you just look at the product we see on Monday night. We saw two weeks ago one of the worst episodes of Raw, 
and it wasn't better. And the reason it wasn't better is because Vince showed up at 3.30 and said, I'm going to write this fucking show myself, pal. I did it last week. And it was awful. And he didn't learn from his mistakes, and he did it again, and it was another fucking awful episode. And that was only two weeks apart. So I'm not sure that there's any reason to expect that this is going to be any better when they do it this time. Yeah. Um, The thing I think that's interesting about it is they're going to be running like test games in 2019 and they're going to also have a spring league to kind of test some of these the, the weird rules you know that the XFL is going to have that's not like in the NFL um I, I was looking at some of them here and I guess outside of the two minute drill the clock is just going to continuously run the whole time yeah which is which is I guess that uh, it says it's also been a part of the arena football league I guess that's like a thing, so it'll speed up games. Um, there's some weird thing with the extra point kick. Uh, the kickoffs will be attempted with teams separated only by five yards. Okay. <laughs> and all players behind the line of scrimmage will be eligible receivers, including the offensive line. Huh. That's yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. That's very very strange. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you could like you would have to stay behind the line of scrimmage though. You wouldn't be able to run past the line of scrimmage. Like if you're you're a friggin' lineman, you would have to run to the side like a screen pass. It's really odd shit. I guess And no the, fair catches, by the way. I guess the question I would have to ask you, Jeff, as a Cleveland Browns fan, is do you think the Browns could win a championship in the XFL? These Cleveland Browns? Maybe. Okay. Last year's Cleveland Browns, I don't know, maybe they would win a game or two. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of things that are not good ideas, uh, this week on SmackDown, Jeff Hardy defeated Randy Orton, which in and of itself having that match again is not a good idea. But the match, when the match was over and uh, Jeff Hardy was celebrating, he was interrupted on the screen by Samoa Joe at a bar. And I immediately cringed thinking this was going to be awful. But as per usual and to his credit, Everything they put in front of Samoa Joe, he turns into fucking gold. And he nailed this segment, delivered it beautifully, and I loved it. And I thought I was going to hate it, and I was ready to hate it, and I absolutely fucking loved it. What did you think, Jeff? Yeah, I I agree. Um, As soon as he popped up on the screen and he was at a bar, I was just like, oh, God. Oh, no. You're just going to take him making fun of his sobriety and put it to this silly level. But yeah, it was it became it was entertaining. Like he took it, he was I thought it was hilarious the way he did it, um, and it was interesting. Like he he was just like you can have one of these and get home safely at night and be responsible, or you could have fourteen of them <laughs> and end up in jail. Like it's it was great stuff that he did, and just the way he was delivering it, like. Like just nonchalantly, like a PSA almost. It yeah. was it was hilarious and it was it was really well done. I thought the only thing that I don't care about is him and Jeff Hardy being in a feud. See, I could be down for that if it's if it's sort of a vehicle to really sort of elevate Samoa Joe, which is really all Jeff Hardy should be doing at this point is sort of getting other guys over um, because it is a big name that you can use to sort of add to the mystique of Samoa Joe as we attempt to sort of build him back up the question is is vince ever going to trust joe to put him in a prime spot i mean he's had several opportunities to put the belt on him and chose not to do it um but in this case you know it's what they're going with i mean how many how many title shots did he had now that he lost like four? Oh god i think he had four just against that doesn't even account AJ. for the yeah that, that's just against aj that doesn't even account didn't he have another one against uh not uh, blah, 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 blah. why am I blanking? Was it just AJ he fought for the world championship? Was it Brock? Yes, or the Brock. Universal. That's yes, Brock. Yeah, so, he's had several opportunities, and that you know Brock, and then he was in that four way at SummerSlam with with Brock and Roman and Braun. So he's he's been in the top of the card, and he's been in that picture, but he's yet to really be trusted with the ball, despite us feeling like he was ready on a couple different occasions. Um, but if you want a guy who can take whatever shit Vince McMahon writes on a script and turn it into gold, 
it's becoming very, very clear Samoa Joe is the guy that can pull that off for you, and that should probably be rewarded with a big push. That. Um, the one thing I, the one thing I did say, yep. I did want to say is, um, w- was there a reason why this match actually happened? Like why Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy had a match again? Uh, they were going to settle their feud apparently. Because it wasn't settled before. I thought a Hell in a Cell would have sold it, so settled it far more than a one-off match on SmackDown. But plus, uh, Rand- Rey Mysterio wasn't on the show this week, so we need something for Randy Orton to do. Mm. Yeah, I thought a screwdriver in the air would really solve that, but I guess not. No, apparently not. But in any event, that is going to bring us to our main event for this week's episode. And this is an interesting one for me because I just recently this week got myself sort of all caught up on the WWE NXT UK product. I've been sort of late to the party trying to focus on the other stuff. Uh, Jeff, I don't know how much you've been following the NXT UK product. I know you did appear on a spot of NXT with Troy on some of the earlier episodes. Uh, not that anyone could hear you, but no, I'm just kidding, Troy. It's just a joke. Relax. Don't get those throat muscles all worked up yelling at the radio or the whatever you listen to the podcast on. Uh, <laughs> but... I, so this prompted me to ask the question, which NXT UK superstar is the most likely to break into superstardom? And, of course, that typically means the main roster. Uh, Jeff, who do you think? Who, who do you have your eye on over there? Well, I mean, besides Pete Dunne. Is that, cause yeah, I, think I mean, Pete I think Dunne Pete Dunne's the obvious, the... yeah. Um, uh, personally, from what I've seen... Uh, Flash Morgan Webster? No, I'm kidding. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> uh, um, that's a good question. I, I who's, that, who's that one jobber that keeps coming out? Is like Sal's Sam Gradwell? No, no, not him. Saxon Huxley? No, no, that's that's Luke Harper. <laughs> God, I can't forget his name. It's like Sam something, I think. Uh, oh yeah, that guy was actually really good. Who's just like a jobber though? He keeps coming out and getting yeah, beat. yeah. He's a jobber, but he he's like the matches he's been in. It's like you're more impressed with him than the guy who beats him. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember what his name. He's got an off. He's got a single name. That's what all I remember. I don't know. It's like it. Yeah, I'll have to fucking I'll have to find that out. Um, I like the people I like personally. Um, I thought Eddie Dennis was decent. Oh, he has an interesting God character. Damn. What is what is this? Is, I, they're putting this guy over like he's a giant fucking monster. He's gangly as all hell. He looks like <laughs> he looks like the dude that would get picked on in the Back to the Future remake. He looks like George McFly. That's all I can think of when I watch this guy. <laughs> uh, but he's a principal, man. He was a principal, and he gave this up for his dream. I just they, they keep putting him over like he's huge and intimidating, and like no, he's not. Like. He looks like the dude that would be taking your kid's ticket at the fucking arcade to sell him, like, the $5 water balloons for 45 tickets. <laughs> I, I would probably go Jordan Devlin. Yeah, Devlin's a good um, Devlin's a good I, 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 I will put an asterisk on that and say his, he had an amazing match with Pete Dunne um, that I thought was a little bogged down with, like, 17 Spanish flies. <laughs> but other than that, um, he... He he his he hasn't impressed me that much, uh, but I will say he has. I think he has that potential to be a star. Um, he has the look for sure, and yeah. he, he he definitely has the ability. You can see saw it in the Pete Dunn match. Okay. Um, I think you can get behind him and and really really push him. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, I think Tony Storm's another one, sort of in that Pete Dunn character the category that just sort of goes without saying. Um, but I will say, I think Rhea Ripley uh, has really shown some star power over there. Uh, we've seen her in the Mae Young Classic a couple times, um, and, and she this year really sort of separated herself. But to watch her and the way they're putting her over there is sort of like this big, like dominating female force, and that's something that's really sort of missing from the WWE. She's not Nia Jax, but she's big and intimidating and physical, but still in a way that it's not overbearing like it is with Nia, I guess. Um, they're not putting it over huge, like, oh, she's the irresistible force, and she's a great big fat girl who can run you over. Like, it's not what they do with <laughs> Rhea Ripley. Um, she's just put over as powerful and strong and dangerous, and I really, really like her presentation over there. 
Uh, and I think her in-ring work is really coming along very, very nicely. Um, uh, Dave Mastiff is another guy who I think could be a big star, the way he moves at his size. I mean, we know how Vince feels about big guys, um, but I think he's got something. He could he could definitely be something. Um, one of the ones that sort of might surprise people a little bit that really sort of jumps off the page at me, and, and very I, I think very not ready yet for that level, but I, I, I see potential in him, <coughs> is this dude Ashton Smith. And I don't know if you've seen much of him, Jeff, but – he really, he really sort of reminds me of, of Ricochet in a lot of ways. He's a more physical style than, than, than high-flying, but from a appearance, he reminds me a little bit of Ricochet. Uh, and he does have the ability to fly, but he brings an intensity to his performance that I think is really good. He's definitely a little rough around the edges in terms of WWE product, and he needs to sort of learn how to work more of a WWE style, but I could definitely see some something of a future for that kid. Yeah, absolutely. That that sounds good. Um, I, I I'm trying to find this fucking jobber's name, and I can't find it for the life of me. Sam Sidwell or something like that, isn't it? No, he's got a it's it's a single like single name. No, he, it's he two names. A, it's two names. Sid Scala. Yes, that's who it is. Uh, oh, I was thinking of somebody else. Oh, okay. No, that guy keeps getting run out to to do the job to everybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. God damn it! I'm trying to find this stupid guy's name. It's gonna bug the shit at me because I remember I made fun of his awful Tucker, Tucker. Oh, okay. Fucking Tucker. <laughs> Terrible I will, name. I will say I think the people booking NXT UK have a much bigger hard on for Wolfgang than anybody else in the world does because that guy gets a ton of TV time, and I don't really get it. I don't see it in him. Just but he I, does a swanton. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy who does moonsaults, and sure, but that's less impressive this day and age when every big guy's doing fucking moonsaults and acais and all sorts of random shit. Um, yeah, I, I just don't I don't see it with him. I don't see the charisma. I don't see star power in him, but apparently they do because they keep putting him over that way. Oh, yeah. And, of course, yep. Mustache Mountain because that sort of goes without saying, too, I guess, right? Oh, who won the NXT tournament or NXT UK tournament this year? Uh, that the, the, was um, Zach Gibson. Yeah, he he has potential too. I think he does. He's got. I I really don't know why they hate him so fucking much, but they do. They hate the shit out of Zach Gibson. Yeah, and, take your fucking shoes off or whatever yeah, the hell it is. People, leave your fucking shoes on. That arena's got to stink at that point. Because seriously, <laughs> I smell like of, a fucking bowling alley fucking rental. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, that's awful. But there, are, so there. <laughs> There are definitely some stars in the making in the NXT UK brand, and I encourage if you haven't checked it out to go check out some of it. If not, seek out some of the names we mentioned and give us your opinion on who you think might be a breakout star to come out of NXT UK. That is going to do it for our perfect 10 as we move directly on and forge forward, bringing you all the information on the upcoming dates in the independent world of professional wrestling. And Jeff... I hear you got something to tell us about. I do. The stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge, 2301 Springdale Road in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Waukesha. Uh, first, Jingle Bells Bash on Saturday, December 8th. Tickets are $20 ringside and $16 advance on BruceCityWrestling1.com using PayPal or $18 at the door. Bell is set for 7.30 and doors open at 6.45. Wait. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. Sorry, I got confused. I thought I was saying $20 online and $18 at the door. I was like, why wouldn't you buy it at the door? But, um, this, this is also an event with Toys for Tots. Fans are encouraged to bring a non-wrapped toy or book for the children for Christmas as the stars of Brew City Wrestling will be delivering them to Children's Hospital. Already signed the Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship as champion Evil Sierra takes on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azure. Uh, Maidens of Iron versus Brown Family. More Fandemonium matches announced soon. Uh, you can visit their website at www.brucecitywrestling1.com, Twitter at BCW1, or Facebook at Bruce City Wrestling. Also, Instagram at Bruce City Wrestling. 
All right, that's going to bring us to Chaotic Wrestling as they return to the Woburn Elks Lodge on Friday, December 7th at 295 Washington Street, Woburn, Mass. Doors open at 7.15. Bell time is 8 p.m. This show is notable because it features the firebrand Brian Fury as he makes his return to the ring for the first time in two years to challenge JT Dunn for the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship and the title of greatest chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion ever. Also announced for the show, the retrosexual Anthony Green defends the New England Championship against the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Bear Country defends their newly won tag team titles against the Amazing Graysons. The most marketable man in wrestling, Richard Holiday, takes on Josh Briggs, plus more of your favorite chaotic wrestling competitors. Tickets, just $10 in general admission and $18 for VIP packages. For more information, go to chaoticwrestling.com. And, of course, I have it on good authority that Rundown co-host Sal is going to be in the house signing all your autographs. Ooh, maybe I'll show up. No. <laughs> Beyond Wrestling presents Extreme Warfare Revenge live December 16th at the Varna Memorial Armory in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. 4 p.m. VIP entry, 4.30 p.m. general entry, 5 p.m. bell time. Powerbomb TV Independent Wrestling Championship as champion Hot Sauce Tracy Williams takes on Hollow Wicked. You got that, that known felon Nick Gage versus Fire Ant. Oh, so someone's got a wheeler cut. <laughs> yeah or I'll get my bank robbed or whatever the fuck he did <laughs> um, Wheeler Yuta versus Ophidian Ryan Galeone versus what the fuck proletariat proletariat boar of Mikadova. Moldova proletariat boar of Moldova yeah okay Jay Freddy versus Travis Huckabee also scheduled the Beaver Boys <laughs> I feel John like this Silver was put on Alex here for Reynolds. Sal to read I don't know I'm just guessing it could be. Could be. Um, Boomer Hatfield, Chris Dickinson, Orange Cassidy, Solo Darling, and more. Go to beyondwrestlingonline.com for ticket and event information. ICW returns December 20th to the La Pica Lounge as ICW presents the Insane Xmas Party starting at 7 p.m. This is a Sex Toys for Tarts fundraiser, so bring a wrapped sex toy <laughs> and you can receive... I don't know, 50 cents off general admission. Former IWGP Intercontinental Champion Michael Elgin makes his ICW debut, and the whole locker room is already hating him. VIP ringside and VIP second row, $20, general admission, 15 The ICW alternative title in a light tubes fuckery boards match will be held between Oren Veet, Marcus <laughs> Crane, Light tube cabins. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's there. Light tube cabins? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. ICW World Title Match. The New Japan Pro Wrestling Superstar Mike Elgin takes on Joey Jet Avalon, who is defending his title. <laughs> the ICW Tag Team Title will be on, title match will be on the line as the Foley Brothers take on Bear Kingdom. In a six-man tag team match, the Gentlemen's Club, Aesop Mitchell, Jack Moody, and Tyler Sullivan take on Sierra Dis and Derek St. Holmes. The Marman Mario Crivello takes on Resort Life, Captain Spicoli, and the D, Della Sombra. Riley Jackson versus GQ Giannis. Jacob Hoffman versus Simon Says. Oh, sorry. Yes, Jacob Hoffman versus Simon Says versus Pitbull Zach McGuire versus Jack Blackwell with Miss Birthday. I'm guessing that's a fatal four-way. Sex Toys for Tots match? Yes. I, I don't know. And <laughs> apparently Michael Elgin's students will be putting on a match, so there's something you want to go check out. Liberty States Wrestling presents Holiday Havoc on Saturday, December 22nd from the John Cena Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. <laughs> Already signed for this big event. The tag titles will be on the line as the main state posse defend against Insanely Rude, a match that was scheduled for our last event until MSP... That is Maine State Posse. Refused to show. <coughs> okay, Burned took another Gallagher. booking. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. Vern Vicala will defend the Liberty States Wrestling Heavyweight Championship against the debuting Fe Perry Von Vicious. Now, how does a guy debut the as the number one contender? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, is he that well-known, I guess, in the area, maybe? Uh, Perry Von Vicious? Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably it. Um, and the return of the Opportunity Knox ladder match where Nico Silva, Antoine Nicholas, Tomahawk, and Sweat Boy, Christopher James, 
will all fight to receive a contract good for a title shot against any Liberty States champion at any time. And let's see what you put here. Plus, Robo will defend his no really, we mean it, <laughs> no limits championship. <laughs> and Johnny Vegas, uh, Setherin, Vanity Vixen, and Todd Sopel are also scheduled to appear. Still not sure if that's real or not. Doors open at 6.30, bell at 7. Tickets are $10 at the door for general admission. For updates, visit facebook.com slash Liberty States Wrestling. All right, that is going to do it for this edition for the rundown. On Thursday, December 6th, it has been seven months since Adam was awake past 10 p.m. You can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Rundown Podcast, on Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show at rundownwrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail. Please, we really want to jerk off to your voices. 617-863-6967. That is 61 Rundown 7. Jeff will jerk off on air if you leave us a voicemail. I'm just saying. Uh, we are oh, also, I will. <laughs> we are on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. We have two reward levels. Uh, check them out there. They'll give you the info. $5 a month grants you access to patron-only episodes, as well as the $10 tier, which gives you access to those and the ability to appear on a rundown show of your choosing. All patrons will receive early access to shows on the Rundown feed as they are loaded. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Stay tuned at the end of the show. We might have a little bit of a breadcrumb for you on that. Check out Facebook.com slash DWPAN or DWPAN.com. Also, check out our friend Justin Michaels and his show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com and stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear promises that we will bring back our other shows, the Nitro Mania Podcast, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, Making the Grade, The Markout Rant with Josh... <laughs> talk with raccoon reigns at wrestlemania salvation follow our hosts you can follow me at j stewart 0920 that is j s t u a r t 0920 at rockstar troy at jokers wild 702 that's w y l d at wrestlemania sal manella at run <laughs> at redundant rundown host at making the murderer at johnny nitromania at too sleepy to podcast at hurry up cruisers at <laughs> Sexy Toys for Tots and at Cockstrap underscore Belly. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jeff, for sitting in the chair and talking to me for a couple hours. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I, I wasn't going to do it because I had to be up at six, but you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you gotta just like live life on the edge. Well, you don't even have to edit this bitch. <laughs> That's true. Join us next week as we talk about probably more terrible shit that happens on Monday Night Raw. I'm just guessing. I have no inside information, but that's my guess as to what's going to happen. But what I can tell you is it means we will see you next Thursday. Jeff, say something. Uh, Cocktrap belly, by the way. That was supposed to be Baron Corbin with, you know, his big vagina belly. Is that going to be your Bye, guys. Okay. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salser, and if the podcast was an animal, Sarah McLaughlin would be singing to it as it, sell- as it sat abandoned, shivering and afraid, knowing that one day it too would be hucked into the incinerator, just like that dog who has a child that went to go live on a farm. <laughs> oh, we are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network, which, just like an emo teenager, continues to act as if one day it will kill itself, but you know it's just going to linger around being useless until it reaches its 30s. <laughs> and tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.